Most of the Mishnayis in this Perek really begin in exactly the same way. The scenario is always where there are two brothers married to two sisters, then there's a third brother who's either not married or is married to a different woman who is not related. So this Mishnah also begins like that. Shlosha Achin, three brothers, Shnaihim two of them are married to two sisters, and one of them is married to another woman who is not related. Nochris in these Mishnahis does not mean a non-Jewish woman, rather it means a woman who is not related to the sisters. So we've got Reuben Shimon married to Rochel and Leah, and then Levi is married to Hannah. And the point of this Mishnah is going to be to tell us the rule of Nesra. We already came across this rule at the beginning of the Masechta, and Nesra means that if at any point a woman became a Yavama, or she was supposed to become a Yavama, but at that point she was forbidden to do Yibum with the Yavam. And so no Zika was created. So one of the brothers died, the dead man's wife should have fallen as a Shmeres Yavam to the dead man's brother, but since she was an Erva towards him, she does not fall to him and there is no Zika at all. Now let's say there's another brother, and she's not an Erva towards him, so the other brother does Yibum, and then he dies, and for whatever reason, we'll see what exactly the case would be in our Mishnah, but when the second brother dies, that woman is no longer an erva towards Ruvain. The halacha is that since the first time there should have been a zika towards him, no zika was created, and since there was no mitzvah of yibum, the regular prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife returns, or remains. So even if from the other brother there is a reason to permit marrying his wife, but she's still considered to be the wife of the original brother, and at the time that the original brother died, the prohibition of marrying his wife was not permitted. And therefore it doesn't help that now there's a new mitzvah of Yibum from this other brother, because the prohibition of marrying his first brother's wife still remains. And we explained at the beginning of the Masechta that really every case of a tzara of a tzara of an erva is based on the rule of Nesra. Even the Tsara herself, the reason why when she goes and marries the other brother, Levi, and then Levi dies, the reason why Reuven can't now do Yibum with the Tsara is because of the rule of Nesra. That since originally she was the Tsara of an Erva, and therefore no Zika was created, so the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife remained. So even if later on from another brother there's a mitzvah of Yibum, that won't help, and it is still forbidden to marry the Tsara. And now this mission is going to bring another case where we find the rule of Nesra. Now out of all of the Arias, all of the women who one is forbidden to marry because of being related to them, those prohibitions last forever. For example, let's say it's forbidden to marry one's daughter-in-law, one's son's wife. Even once one's son dies, it is still forbidden to marry one's daughter-in-law, even though the entire prohibition resulted from the son being married to her, and he is no longer married to her. Nevertheless, the prohibition still remains. However, there is one exception to that. The Torah says explicitly that when it comes to the prohibition of marrying one's wife's sister, the prohibition is only as long as one's wife is still alive. But once she has died, it is permitted to marry her sister. So begins the Mishnah. Again, we've got the scenario of Shleish Achim, three brothers, two of them, Reuven and Shimon, are married to two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and one of them is married to a third woman, Hannah, who is not related. One of the brothers who's married to the sisters dies. So let's say Reuven dies. And the one who is married to the woman who is not related, namely Levi, Levi does Yibum on Reuven's wife Rochel. Now why did Levi do Yibum? Because it was forbidden for Shimon to do Yibum. Because Rochel was Shimon's wife's sister. 
So Levi did Yibum, and then Shimon's wife dies. Leah dies. So now there's no longer a prohibition for Shimon to marry Rachel. Says the mission of Achakach Mesnosinochris, if then Levi dies, although in terms of the prohibition of marrying one's wife's sister that no longer exists, the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife still does exist, and the mitzvah of Yibum from his brother Levi does not help to permit marrying her from the fact that it was Reuven's wife, because there's no mitzvah of Yibum from Reuven right now. So the Mishnah says, Harizah Asura Lomis, Rochel is forbidden to Shimon forever, Hoyl the Ness Olav Shoachas, since she became forbidden for him once. Right now, the second half of this Mishnah elaborates on a law which we learnt in the first Perek, and that is that it all depends at the time of the death. Meaning, in order for an erva to exempt her tsara from Yibam and Chalitza, it has to be that the erva was still married to the man who died at the time that he died. And therefore the Mishnah says that if you have three brothers, two of them are married to two sisters, Reuven and Shimon are married to Rachel and Leah, and one of them, Levi, is married to an unrelated woman, Chana. One of the husbands of the sisters, so let's say Ruvain, divorces his wife Rachel, and then Umeis Nosoi Nochris, Levi dies, and Ruvain, who had divorced his wife, does Yibum with Chana, who is Levi's wife, Vomeis, and then Ruvain dies. The question is, can Shimon do Yibum now with Chana? So in this case, certainly he can. This is an even better case than in the beginning of the, in, in the first Perek. Over here, the Tzorah was never married to Ruvain at the same time that the Erva was married to Ruvain. So certainly, Shimon would be able to marry to do Yibum on Chana. So the Mishnah says, This is what the Chachom said in the first Perek, All of them, all of the Arias, Shemesu, if they died, Onisgarish, or they were divorced, before her husband died, or in this case, before the husband married the other woman, so I say Mutorais, that Tsara is permitted to do Yibum because she is not considered to be the Tsara of an Erva at the time of the death of that man. Mishnachess, in general, there is a law that Kolsha in Oilul Yibum in Oilul Chalitza. Any woman who is totally exempt from Yibum, because let's say she's an Erva, she is also exempt from Chalitza. There's no Zikah at all. She can go marry anybody she likes now, without first receiving Chalitza even, from one of the Yavomim, from one of the brothers of their dead husband. However, we have seen a few cases already, but the halacha is that you do need to do Chalitza, even though it's forbidden to do Yibum. For example, when there's a contradiction between Midrabonon and Midraisa. So in order to fulfill the mitzvah Midraisa of Yibum and Chalitza, one should do Chalitza, and not Yibum because it might be forbidden Midrabonon to marry that woman. Now another such scenario where one would do Chalitza, even though he cannot do Yibum, is in a case of a doubt. The Chulon and all of the Arias, Shehoibohen Kiddushin, Oigerushin Basofik. They were either married or divorced, but it was a doubt as to whether that, that was the case. So let's say Shimon married Ruvain's daughter, but for whatever reason, the mission will describe now, there was a doubt as to, the ma- as to whether the marriage was valid. Or if he divorced her, and again, it was a doubt. So in that case, certainly, if Shimon then dies, Ruvain would not do anything with the erva. Ruvain's daughter herself, she would be free to go and marry somebody else. The question is regarding the tzorah of the erva. 
Because if you think about it, there's now a doubt as to whether she was the only wife of Shimon, in which case she is obligated to do Yibam Chalitza, or whether she was the Tzara of an Erevan, it's forbidden for her. So in such a case, Har Elu Tzara is Cholzer Zulim's Yabmois, the Tzara should do Chalitza and not Yibam. Kate Tzvei Kedushim, what would be an example of a case where there is a doubt as to whether they are married? Well, one of the ways to do Kedushin, to acquire the woman, is by giving her money. Alternatively, one could give her a document saying that you are marrying her. Now, the halacha is that if somebody is standing in a public domain and something is within his four amas, around two meters or so, the halacha is that if he has the intention to acquire that item, then it becomes his. It follows, therefore, that if somebody puts kiddushin within four amas of a woman, he puts money and he says, I'm giving you this money for the sake of Kiddushin, and he places it within four Amas of that woman. If she has the intention to acquire it, then she is considered to be married to that man. Now, the case under discussion is where the man and the woman are standing exactly eight Amas apart from each other. And Zarakla Kiddushin, the man throws the Kiddushin money or document towards the woman, and it lands on the floor in between them, and Sovik Karov Loi, Sovik Karov Law. It's a doubt as to whether it is nearer to him in which case it's further away than four amas from the woman, or whether it is nearer to her, meaning that it was it is within her four amas. Zeus fake Kedushin, this would be a case where it would be a doubt as to whether they are married or not. And the same exact scenario would work for a doubtful case of giving a get. If somebody throws the get to the woman, again, the same would apply. Now the Mishnah continues and asks, what is a case of Sveik Geirishin, of a doubtful divorce? Now the case of a doubtful divorce is the exact same thing as we just had for Kedushin. And the truth is, the example which the Mishnah is going to give is not a case of a doubt. Rather, it's a case where Midoraisa it's considered to be a valid divorce, but Midrabonon it's not. However, as we explained, when it comes to Yibam and Chalitza, the halacha is going to be exactly the same. Because in both scenarios, she's going to require Chalitza and not Yibam. So what is this case where it will be a valid get only Midoraisa but not Midrabonon? If the husband wrote the get himself in his own handwriting, the Ainal of Adim, but there are no Adim, there are no witnesses who signed on the get. Yesh of Adim, if there are witnesses on the get, so now it doesn't make a difference whether the husband wrote it or somebody else wrote it. The Ebo Zaman, but it does not have the date written on it, and therefore Midrabon on it's invalid. Yesh Zaman, if it does have the rate, the date written on it, but the Ebo El Eid Echad, it only has one witness who signed on, on the get. So as the Mishnah Zeus Feigerishin, this is a case of a doubtful divorce. As we explained, it's not a case of a doubt, rather it means that Midrabonon, it's considered invalid, and therefore that woman would require Chalitza if her husband dies. Mishnah Tess, the focus of this Mishnah is the status of Ma'amar. Ma'amar, as we've seen a number of times already, is the requirement Midrabonon to perform a regular Kiddushin on his Shemeris Yovam before having relations with her and actually performing the Mitzvah of Yibum. And we're going to see a Machroiks in this Mishnah as to what exactly, how strong is the Ma'amar. The Tanakam is going to be the opinion which we have seen pretty much until now, and the opinion of Beis Hillel, that Ma'amar is valid with Jabonon. The Jabonon we consider as if they are married, Midoraisa, it's not considered anything. Shlosh Achim, if there are three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi, Nesu and Shlosh Nochreis, who are married to three different women who are not related to each other. And one of the brothers dies, Reuven dies. And then the second brother, Shimon, performs Mamar with Reuven's wife. But then, before managing to complete the mitzvah of Yibum Vameis, Shimon dies. So Shimon's wife falls to Levi for Yibum. And as well as that, this woman, who was Reuven's wife and now has now received Mamar, also falls to Levi. 
Namida Levi would be able to perform Yibum with both women, because Midaraisa they both come from two different husbands. In general, if two women fall from one husband, it's forbidden to do Yibum with both of them. You do Yibum with one and the rest of them are now exempt. But in this case, where they bo- the, where both women came from two different husbands, mid-oraisa, because the mamar is not valid at all mid-oraisa, so Levi would be able to perform yibum on both of the women. However, mid-rabonon, Reuven's wife, will call her Dina. Dina is considered somewhat married to Shimon, which means that on a mid-rabonon level, both women are falling from the same husband, Shimon. So he certainly can't do yibum on both women. But in addition, he also cannot do yibum on one woman and then chalitza on the other woman. Reason being, because people see that he did ma'amar. So people, the way they, they look at it, is that both women are from the same husband. And they might come to the conclusion that just like this man is allowed to do yibum on one of the women and then chalitza on the other one, it's also permitted to do the opposite way around, to do chalitza and then yibum. And they'll think that that is the halacha with every case of yibum, where two women fall from one man, that it's permitted to do chalitza on one and then yibum on the other woman. However, that is forbidden. As soon as one of the wives of the dead man has received either yibum or chalitza, the rest of the women are now exempt, and it's forbidden to do yibum with more than one of the wives of the dead man. So to prevent people from coming to the conclusion that that would be permitted, to do chalitza then yibum, so it's also forbidden to do yibum then chalitza. And therefore, both women would require chalitza and not yibum. Now, of course, this is only midrabonon, as we explained, but the Mishnah brings a pasuk. This is what's known as an asmachta, which is a sort of hint in the posok, which the Chachomim found for something which they said medjabonon. Be as it may, Shnemar, as the posok says, when one of the brothers die, her yovom should have relations with her and fulfill the mitzvah of yibum. And we learn from there, that there can be one, there can be a zika of one yovom upon a woman, but she cannot have a zika of two Yuvamim, meaning if she's considered to be the husband of two different men, then there's no mitzvah of Yibum for the reasons which we explained. Now, Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that it's not that Ma'amar is valid Midrabonon totally, and Midrabonon are not at all. Rather, Rabbi Shimon is in a state of doubt as to whether Ma'amar is considered totally valid Midrabonon as a full marriage, or whether it's considered nothing at all, even Midrabonon. And because of that, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, He can do Yibam on whichever wife he likes. And then, He can do Chalitza on the second wife. Because if Mamar is totally valid, that means that both women are the wives of Shimon. So of course he's going to do Yibam on one of them. And if it's not valid at all, so that means she's only considered the wife of the first husband, Ruvain. So either way, she's only falling from one husband. The Zika which there is between her and the Yovom is as a result of only one husband. And therefore she can perform Yibum, but she will still need to do Chalitza after that. Because if Mamre is not valid at all, that means that both women are falling from different husbands, in which case the Yibum on this woman will not exempt the other woman. Alright, ends off the mission with another case of Nesra. Shnei Achim, if there are two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, who are married to two sisters, Rachel and Leah, and one of the brothers dies. So Reuven, who is married to Rachel, Reuven dies. So certainly Shimon is not allowed to do Yibum with Rachel. So even if even if Shimon's wife then dies, so technically he can now marry Rachel, since at the time of the death of Ruvain it was forbidden, Rachel is forbidden for Shimon forever, since she became forbidden for him once. Mr. Yud, the Perik ends off 
with a Mishnah which is less related to the main focus of the Masechta, but it brings a case where one can do one act which is forbidden and violate multiple sins for which we will have to bring a korban, a separate korban for each one. If two men perform Kiddushin on two women, none of them are related, and then when it comes to the next stage of the marriage, when they complete the marriage at the Chuppah, and then have relations together. So the at the time that they entered into the chuppah and afterwards had relations together, there was a very big mistake which happened. They switched the wives. So the woman which Ruvain had done Kedushin with ended up having relations with Shimon, and the woman which Shimon did Kedushin on ended up having relations with Ruvain. They violate the sin of having relations with a woman who is married to another man. If the two men were brothers, then they also violate the prohibition of marrying one's brother's wife. If the two women were sisters, then they violate the prohibition of marrying one's wife's sister. And if either of the women were nidois, a nidois is a woman who is tome with a certain type of tumor, which makes it forbidden for anybody to have relations with her. So again, Mishum Nidor, they would violate that prohibition as well. Now, once they realize their grave mistake, they should switch again, and Reuven is still permitted to continue living with his real wife and Shimon with his real wife. However, they cannot do that immediately. We separate those women for three months, in case they are pregnant. We need to see whether they became pregnant from their wrong husband, because otherwise, if they go and marry their correct husbands immediately, and then nine months later they give birth, so we won't know who is the father of that child. But the Mishnah says, if the women were children, they were too young to be she'en they were not yet able to have children, then then we would return them to their correct husbands immediately, because that is not a concern. Says the Mishnah, if the women were daughters of Kernim, so at least until they were married, they were able to eat truma. The halacha is that if a woman has had illegal relations, then she is from that moment on, nifslum truma, they are invalid, they are forbidden to eat truma, even if their husband ends up dying and they go back to their original house, so would generally be able to continue eating truma. In this case, since they have had illegal relations, they would be forbidden forever to eat truma.